Lions NFL wildcard weekend recap and divisional round preview. Doug Peterson is fired. And some last words. LaValley Sports Talk begins right now. What's good? What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the LaValley Sports Talk podcast brought to you by the Soundline Network. As always, I am your host, Chris LaValley. I hope you all are doing well and staying safe. So uh, sports stake segment this week, it's going to be two parts. I'm going to touch on the College Football National Championship, and then I also want to touch on uh, Doug Peterson's firing. So let's kick it off here. Bama embarrassed Ohio State Monday night for the College Football National Championship with a 52-24 victory. The game wasn't a game. Uh, from the get-go, Bama just dominated, and it, it, they never took their foot off the gas. Mac Jones, the quarterback for Alabama, was tremendous, 36 of 45, 464 yards, and five touchdowns. But the true star, no surprise here, was the Heisman Trophy-winning wide receiver for Alabama, Devonta Smith, who had three touchdown catches all in the first half. Smith was tremendous. He didn't play in the second half. Um, he didn't need to. Again, Bama was just, they were all over him. It, like, it wasn't even close. Justin Fields, once again, did not play big in a big game. He played well last, last week. I talked about how, you know, his, his victory over Clemson and how well he played against Clemson certainly moved him up, uh, the draft boards for a lot of, uh, a lot of scouts. Um, he's going to make a lot of money in the NFL. There's no question about it. He will be a top 10 draft pick for sure, but if if I'm an NFL GM, I still have a lot of questions about Justin Fields. He was 17 to 33, 194, uh, excuse me, 194 yards and a touchdown pass. He also had 67 yards uh, rushing with no touchdowns. I mean, Fields didn't show up in this football game. I understand that people are talking about injuries going in, but I, I don't want to hear it, man. Uh, Justin Fields, more often than not, has not performed in big games, and once again, he did not show up when it mattered. But we really got to talk about Alabama here for a second. Not only is this the best team, I think, in college football history, the way Bama performed, their offensive output, the fact that every single game that they played this season, they dominated. There was never, ever a question that Bama wasn't going to win the football game when they walked on the field. Like, I do think that this team overtakes. We were talking about last year with LSU and Joe Burrow's national championship team, how they may be the best national championship or college football team of all time. I think it's this Alabama team. So not only is this Nick Saban's greatest Alabama team, but it, it I really do think it is the greatest team of all time. And that brings us to Nick Saban. Nick Saban is the greatest football coach of all time, and there's no question about it anymore. He passed Bear Bryant for with seven national championships. Bear Bryant was a legendary coach for Alabama who had won six national championships. Saban has won six with Alabama, but he has seven overall. He has that one from LSU. Uh, over a decade ago. What Nick Saban has done in college football is never going to be repeated ever again. There's no question about it. Saban is just absolutely incredible. So at the end of the day, uh, I think the right team won. Bama, I was dead wrong, by the way. If Clemson had ended up playing Alabama, I think Alabama would have dominated them as well. Like I, I would have been absolutely wrong with my prediction of Clemson women winning the national championship game. Alabama clearly was the best team all season long. And it showed. So congratulations to Bama and Nick Saban on one of the greatest college football seasons we've ever seen. Doug Peterson was let go by the Philadelphia Eagles Monday. And I got a lot of thoughts on this. First off, I think Doug Peterson should have been fired. I've, I've said that for the majority of the season that I felt like Peterson needed to go at the end of the season. 
I also was dead wrong last week when I made the comment when I had my everything is stupid segment regarding Giants fans and saying, look, you guys are screaming at Doug Peterson. There's no way in hell Doug Peterson made that call without the blessing from the front office. I may have been wrong about that. Like you could tell when you listened to the press conference with Jeffrey Lurie and the way it wasn't so much what Jeffrey Lurie said, it's what he didn't say. That really made me think that, you know what, maybe Doug Peterson did become that arrogant and that full of himself to believe that he could just make a call like that and tank the football game. Because it doesn't sound as if he really had a strong relationship with that front office or really ran it by them to say, hey, look, you know what, do you guys really care about us getting that that higher draft pick or not? He just determined, you know what, I'm going to give my third-string quarterback some snaps in this football game. And he fractured the locker room in the process. There hasn't been one... Well, I'm saying there hasn't been one. There's been leaks all over the place about how there were teammates... There were, excuse me, not teammates. There were players that were being held back by other teammates that were trying to get to Peterson on the sideline, let alone in the locker room. You know, everybody wanted to throw shade at Carson Wentz. Oh, Carson Wentz is a terrible teammate. Oh, He's just, he's an awful leader. Look at how he's saying that he wants to leave. Maybe there's something to that. Because, again, reports were during the season, near the end of the season anyway, that the relationship between Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz was completely fractured. And everyone just put it on Carson Wentz. Maybe, just maybe, this entire thing was on Doug Peterson. You know, I'm not going to pat myself on the back and say that I was right because I still don't know. We don't know. We don't know specifically what's going on behind the scenes. But I just think that everybody needs to take a step back and reevaluate the way that they feel about Carson Wentz and, and all of this. Maybe this wasn't Carson Wentz's fault. Maybe this was all Doug Peterson. You know, I've been hearing for a long time from a lot of Philadelphia Eagles fans about how Doug Peterson is a player's coach. He may be a player's coach. But he seems to be only a, a certain type of player's coach. Like, he seems to pick and choose the type of players that he wants to support, and then he doesn't give a shit about the rest of the locker room. And I think that was evidently clear with his decision to put in Nate Suffelt at the end of that football game. Because it really doesn't sound like that was a decision that was made by the front office for them to call, you know, call down to Peterson at halftime and say, look, you're finding a way to tank this football game because we want the higher draft pick. It sounds, what it sounds like is... He never got the direction from the front office, and he chose to make that determination. And if you are that arrogant, like you are, you think you are that untouchable, then you should have been fired. And I 100% believe that Doug Peterson should have been fired just on that move alone, if that's the case. I also think he should have been fired because, again, about the way that he handled the whole Carson Wentz thing. Right, wrong, or indifferent. Like, look— I defended Carson Wentz all season long, but if you were going to make that determination that you were going to you were going to bench Carson Wentz, you should have benched him earlier in the season. There were opportunities for you to do it, and you waited until you got your season was practically over before you decided to put in Jalen Hurts. Like that's just not smart coaching to begin with. Like there were ways that there were opportunities that you had to bench Wentz. You should have benched Wentz. Like if you were going to do it. You should have benched him seven or eight games in. Not wait until you guys were mathematically, practically mathematically eliminated. I understand that they had the opportunity near the end of the season, but realistically speaking, they were that season was done mid-season. That would have been the time to put in Jalen Hurts. Not just 
randomly in December, you're all of a sudden going to take out Carson Wentz in the middle of a football game. That was foolish. So honestly, I'm, I'm happy for, I'm happy for Wentz in this indication in, in just in this sense, because I feel like he is being vindicated. Now there are the Carson Wentz haters out there who are just, who just think he's, he's trash and he's completely overrated. I don't believe that. But I think Philly made the right move. I think Doug Peterson should have been should have been fired. I also think the GM needs to go. Like Jeffrey Leary should be cleaning, absolutely cleaning house right now. He needs a new front office. He needs a new coach. Now the rumors from uh, the sideline network's own Richo, from what he was reading, was that Todd Bowles is possibly going to be the coach. If that's the decision that Jeffrey Leary is making, then Eagles fans need to start questioning Jeffrey Leary as an owner. I mean, that's just, you're going to, really, you're going to go from Doug Peterson to Todd Bowles? I mean, no offense to Todd Bowles. He's, a, he's an excellent defensive coordinator. No question about it. And if that's the part of the, if that's the, part of the team that you want to beef up, then go get, go get Todd Bowles and make him your defensive coordinator. But don't make him your head coach. He was terrible, absolutely terrible as a head coach. Go get somebody like Doug Caldwell. Look, I, I have my issues with Caldwell when he was in Indy, and mainly it was just because I felt like when they went, when the Colts were fourteen and zero, and then he decided to to tank the last two, um, the last two games of the season, which in my opinion ended up costing the Colts a Super Bowl. That's my issue with him. But outside of that, I mean, he's a tremendous coach. He was awesome in Detroit. Those were Matt Stafford's best years. Was with Jim Caldwell as the head coach. In my best years, I mean, they actually had they, his worst season. Jim Caldwell's worst season as the Detroit Lions head coach was nine and seven. Go get somebody like Jim Caldwell. If you're looking for for a good, solid, just team coach, Caldwell would be perfect. Especially if you're looking for like a veteran head coach, not not a brand new, you know, a new up and comer. Um, if you're looking for a new up and comer, I can't help you because my answer is always going to be Eric Bieniemy. But if you're really, you're going to go with Todd Bowles. Are you kidding me? My God, Philly. What are you thinking? But anyway, anyway, that's, that's a story for another day. Um, so anyway, Doug Peterson was fired. I think it was the right move overall. And we'll see what happens with Philly down, you know, in the future. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Carson Wentz now that Peterson's out the door. Maybe they'll keep him. Maybe they'll still trade him. My money is on. They're likely going to keep him just because I don't think they're going to, they're going to be able to unload that type of contract. Although I am rooting for Carson Wentz to find a new home that's outside of Philly. NFL wildcard weekend did not disappoint. It was tremendous. I want to kick it off. Let's talk about Lamar Jackson. I'm sorry. We're not going to. Yeah, we are. We're going to talk about Lamar Jackson first. Lamar got his first playoff win. The Ravens topped the Colts 20 to 13. Lamar played great. He played a really good football game. Uh, he needed to get the playoff demons off his back, which he was able to do. Titans offensive game plan was just was terrible. I, th- I'm watching that game. The, the Titans were up 10 nothing. They scored they were up 10 nothing in the first quarter. They scored three points in the remainder of the football game. Three. Mike Brabel has no spine. All right. Everybody talks about how big, tough Mike Brabel. Oh, he's such a good coach. He's, you know, he's he's made up of the Bill Belichick kind of stuff. Like he's tough. He's, you know, tough as nails type of coach. That dude's a pussy. He had opportunity after opportunity to go for it on fourth downs 
that were convertible fourth downs. We're not talking like fourth and 12, fourth and 10, even fourth and eight. He had a fourth and three. Fourth and three, and he's, and he's punting, or he's, he's attempting a field goal. Dude, it's the fucking playoffs, man. Grow some balls. You have Derrick Henry in your backfield, which the Ravens did a really good job of swallowing him up. He had 18 carries for only 40 yards. But you have Derrick Henry. You have Ryan Tannehill, who's been playing tremendous football the past two seasons. A.J. Brown dominated in the first quarter. Barely saw the football after that. He had a touchdown pass in the first quarter. He was on fire. Ravens could not stop him. Barely saw the ball after that. Like, I, I just, the Titans game plan, offensive game plan was inexcusable. The Titans should have won that football game. Plain and simple, they should have won the football game. And the game the game was turned around when Lamar had that third and long and ran whatever it was, like 50-something yards, scrambled for a 50-something yard um, touchdown. I, I completely changed the game. That was, it became a 10-7 game at that point, and you could just feel the momentum. Just a huge momentum swing. And, um, yeah, so, look, it, it was it was a tremendous football game to watch. Lamar played well. Um, but, yeah, uh, the, the Titans' offensive game plan was just absolutely terrible. And Mike Vrabel, Mike Vrabel gets to start being questioned. I'm sorry. His, his, that coaching was just inexcusable. The Cleveland Browns, maybe this was where I should have started. The Cleveland Browns embarrassed, just absolutely embarrassed the Pittsburgh Steelers, 48-37. to in the first quarter. This game was over in the first quarter. Absolutely. Just, I, I still can't get over it. I can't get over the fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers were this bad. Like, this is this is coaching, man. And you guys know how I feel about Mike Tomlin. I've completely changed my mind on Mike Tomlin. I think he's a top five coach in this league. He got out coached, And it wasn't even by Kevin Stefanski. It, they had a backup, quote-unquote, head coach in, and he got outcoached by that dude. Pittsburgh, I, I don't know if they were overlooking the Browns and just assumed, hey, look, we kicked their ass last week with a – or not, they didn't really kick their ass. They lost, but they had the opportunity to win the football game last week with Mason Rudolph and a bunch of backups in. So maybe they were just completely overlooking them and saying, all right, look, we're going to be playing Buffalo next weekend. You know, let's just – let's get this – let's just, you know, whatever. Just completely overlooking the Browns. They got embarrassed. Big Ben, who the hell made the determination that it would be a smart move to have Big Ben throw the ball 68 times? He was 47 to 68 for 501 yards, four touchdowns, and four interceptions. That was one of the worst quarterback performances by a Hall of Fame quarterback I've ever seen. Like, that was just embarrassingly awful. The running game was non existent. Connor had 37 yards in a touchdown off 11 carries. Like they, once again, Pittsburgh couldn't run the football. And, you know, look, they, they caught a lot. Obviously, the, the receiving was, was decent. I mean, again, Ben threw for 501 yards. Juju had 157 yards off of 13 receptions and a touchdown. Johnson was had 117 yards off of 11 receptions. Washington, five for 72 yards. And Chase Claypool, 59 yards with two touchdown passes. I mean, two touchdown receptions, excuse me. But... Really, I'm just I'm talking about all these Pittsburgh stats. Not that they really matter because the game was over anyway in the first quarter. And Baker Mayfield, all the talk about Baker Mayfield being terrible. Look, I was sitting there mid-season going, I think I was wrong about Mayfield. I, maybe I was right overall. Maybe I really was right about Mayfield. 
21 of 34, three touchdowns, no picks. He had a QBR of 92.8. Mayfield was tremendous in his first playoff game. Just absolutely tremendous. Like You can't ignore the fact that Baker Mayfield played an incredible first playoff game. Nick Chubb, a beast, 76 yards off of 18 carries. Kareem Hunt had 40, 48 yards and two touchdowns. Jarvis Landry caught 92 yards off of five receptions and a touchdown. I mean, I, I just I can't get over how good Cleveland played. Now, you know, what's going to happen next week against Kansas City? That's, you know, I'll talk about that in the next segment. But I, I just, you know, man, good for Cleveland. This is, this is like the feel-good story of the playoffs right now. Cleveland was able to pull off this huge upset against a division rival on the road. It's just awesome. It's an awesome story for Cleveland, and it's a great story for Baker Mayfield. Like, Mayfield had a lot to prove going into this game. And he's not only did he prove that he deserved to be the number one pick a couple years ago, but I think he cemented himself as the franchise quarterback in Cleveland. All the, and look, he had a lot to prove coming into this season. But you want to know what? He's proven everybody, including me, wrong. So, again, good for Mayfield, good for the Browns, and good for their fans, man. That's just... Is just an awesome victory for them. The Saints dominated the Bears 21-9. This game was awful. Awful to watch. This game and the uh, the Rams and Seahawks game, which I'll touch on momentarily. Two terrible games to watch. I, I bet on Mr. Trubisky. That is the stupidest thing you can ever do in sports. I was an idiot. I assumed that the Browns were going to be able, um, excuse me, the Bears were going to be able to continue to elevate that offense like they had. The past couple of weeks, and I was wrong. I mean, Trubisky was nineteen and twenty nine for one hundred and ninety nine yards and a touchdown. He look. Tony Romo picked that dude to pieces in the broadcast. It was like he completely pointed out Mitchell Trubisky's weaknesses at quarterback, which is the fact that he doesn't take risks, and he, you know, he'll rather than take the time to check all of his all of his receivers. He'll only look off, you know, his receiver one, his receiver two. He won't even bother with receiver three. He'll check back to receiver one and just throw an underneath route on like third and 15 that'll go for five yards. You know, it's just Trubisky is not the guy. He's not a franchise quarterback. He's not the dude. Chicago's got to start looking for a new quarterback. Drew Brees played well, 28 to 39 for two touchdowns, 265 yards. I Look, do am I... Am I still sold on Breeze? No. He still doesn't look 100%. I think he's about 80-85%. But with that offense, with all those skilled players, maybe that's all he has to be in order for them to make the Super Bowl. Who knows? I mean, who knows? It's, it's, you know, I'm learning right now that maybe I shouldn't be counting out Sean Payton and Drew Breeze. Because they played, I mean, look, they played the Bears, but they played well against one of the best defenses in the league. So there's that. Now, there was an opportunity early in the football game. I believe it was the first quarter where they, the Bears complete, ran a trick play. Trubisky threw an excellent 50-something yard pass bomb into the end zone, and it was dropped. I mean, like that at that point in time. I think it was uh, Wim, Javon Wims. Is the, yeah, he was the receiver who dropped the ball. I mean, it, was, it hit him in the freaking hands. It was over the shoulder. 
No one was near him. And it literally, it just went right through his hands. And as soon as that happened, I went, oh, okay, okay, this game's over. I mean, to me, that was, that was just, that was the writing on the wall right there. It was a great throw by Trubisky. And it would have, at that point, it would have put the Bears up 10-7. to 7, Which, I'm sorry, no, it would have tied him 7-7. Seven, seven. And uh, I, to me, I was like, okay, the Bears needed that that to at least keep the momentum on their side somewhat. And as soon as that happened, that took the wind out of their sails and it was just over. It just, like, man, it was not a fun game to watch. It was pretty brutal. And, uh, yeah, so the Saints move on. The Bears, I was wrong for thinking that the Bears could actually do something in the postseason. So let me just get on to the other crappy game, and that was the Rams beating the Seahawks 30-20. to This is the worst game. I mean, I know I said that the Bears-Saints game was rough to watch. This Rams-Seahawks game was putrid which is terrible on the eyes the Rams defense you can't say enough about them they are incredible Aaron Donald is arguably you could even argue that Aaron Donald is the best player in the NFL more so than any quarterback he is incredible what this dude can do we don't talk about defensive players when we think of best players in football we talked about it with J.J. Watt like five or six years ago there's an argument to be made about J.J. Watt possibly being the best player in the NFL. Aaron Donald is, I don't even think it's, it, it's kind of weird to say Aaron Donald's underrated because of all the pub that he gets throughout the league, but I really do think Aaron Donald is underrated. It, the dude is just insane. With that being said, the Seahawks on offense, what the fuck, man? Russell Wilson played the worst playoff game. I've not not just playoff game. I think this was the worst game of his career as a starting quarterback in the league. He completed 11 passes. 11 passes for Russell Wilson in a playoff game. Yeah, he threw for two touchdown passes, 174 yards, but he also threw an interception. But 11 passes? Really? Like, come on, man. Heineke, the third-string quarterback for Washington, who I'll touch on in a second, completed for more passes than that. You guys, you have, I mean, for God's sakes, you have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett to throw to, and you only completed 11 passes? Yes, is that a testament to how good the Rams' defense is? Absolutely. But you still only complete 11 passes in a playoff game? I mean, look, I love Russell Wilson. Y'all know that. But this was not good. This just it just wasn't a good look. The Rams offense, I, I mean, look, Jared Goff's playing with a broken thumb, so I can't really hate on him too hard right now. He was 9 of 19 for 155 yards and a touchdown pass. John Wolford went in for a few passes. Uh, he was 3 of 6 for 29 yards. But I, this game was just awful to watch. I, I think the Rams are I under, look, I'm gonna touch on the, the Rams Packers game in a moment or in the next segment, but good God. The Rams are just, they're an eyesore, especially on offense right now. That defense is awesome, but on offense, it's terrible. And the Seahawks, it, their lack of their lack of running game and the fact that Russell Wilson just couldn't complete passes, it came back and bit, bit them in the ass. You know, I was reported that they fired their offensive coordinator, which they should have. But Pete Carroll's got a lot to, he's got a lot to answer for too, though. I mean, this is a team, the team was 12-4, and four, and they looked like a sub-500 football team in this playoff game. So, this is going to be a rough offseason for that team moving forward. 
All right. Let's see here. We've got to do Buccaneers. They're the last game. Buccaneers beat up on Washington 31 to 23. Look, I, I picked the Bucs to win the game. Um, I think anyone with a pulse who watches football should have taken the Bucs over Washington. I mean, I, in my group chat with the guys, everybody but me picked Washington to win. And I think that's just because everybody hates Tom Brady now that I hang out with, uh, which is kind of funny because I used to be that guy who would just automatically root against Tom Brady. And the past few years, I've been the only one who has defended Brady, which is kind of odd because uh, I, I still don't like Tom Brady. But I, I also don't I've learned as I've gotten older that it's kind of important to be objective when you're evaluating sports. And when you do a podcast about sports, you need to be objective. Obviously, you can have your biases, but you know, you, you can't ignore what you're seeing with your eyes. And again, anybody with a pulse after watching the way Washington played against Philly, the only reason why Philly didn't win that football game last week is because, you know, what Peterson did. I mean, Alex Smith couldn't throw the football. He wasn't going to play anyway. And then they said this, this kid named Tyler Heineke was going to be the starting quarterback. So at that point, I'm sitting there going, who the hell is Tyler Heineke? He was a third-string practice squad player who's bounced around from team to team over the past few years. Tyler Heineke was the story of this football game. Look, Brady played well, 381 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. I mean, look, Brady did what Brady was going to do in a playoff game. But if you had said to me, hey, look, Washington's going to put up 23 points against the Bucks," I actually would have sat back and went, Washington's got a 50-50 shot to win this football game because of how good Washington's defense is. Heineke was 26 of 44 for 306 yards, a touchdown. Yes, he did have an interception, but he also rushed for 46 yards and a touchdown. Heineke was tremendous. I mean, think about it. You're a practice squad player. Your first start is against Tom Brady in the playoffs, and that's how you perform. I mean, look, good for Washington. That's all I can say is good for Washington. That was one hell of an effort by that kid, by that team. Are the Bucs the better football team? Yeah, they are. I mean, look, they, they have, offensively speaking, when like, you really look at Washington, Washington had no business being in the playoffs. They have a lot of work to do in this offseason to really beef up that offense. Their offensive line is leaky. They have nothing to throw to, and they don't have a quarterback. Look, I, look the Heineke story is great, but, I mean, if you're going to tell me that Tyler Heineke is going to be your starter next season, I'm going to sit back and go, okay, so you're going to win four or five games. You're going to be exactly what you were this season sub 500 and terrible but it's still i mean it's a feel-good story i mean it's a good story but yeah i mean the bucks overall they're they're the better football team they have superior talent on offense that defense though that defense is is defense is not good though again the the bucks defense gave up 23 points to a, a practice squad quarterback so while i'm giving heineke credit for scoring 23 points i'm also kind of looking at that bucks defense going Hmm. 23 points against a third string quarterback what's going to happen to you next week against Drew Brees something to think about and real quick uh before I, I I can't believe I totally forgot to talk about this football game um now that I'm going through everything I completely skipped over how the uh, the Bills survived against the Colts 27-24 Josh Allen continues to play MVP type football the Bills got screwed by the refs in the fourth quarter there was a a fumble and the the refs just completely muffed this call it almost cost the bills the football game uh fortunately it didn't look 
the Colts kill me, man. They just they, they absolutely kill me. They play well in the first half, and then they completely fell apart in the second half. Look, I picked the Bills to win the game, mind you, and I told you that I had no faith in my team. And watching that football game just reiterated the fact that I don't have why I don't have faith in my team. Frank Reich, who I love, completely cost them that football game. Though I can't even I can't even blame Philip Rivers. Frank Reich had multiple opportunities to kick field goals, and instead he kept going it for it on. It was like he was possessed by Doug Peterson. Like, I'm going to do everything in my power to just go for it on fourth down and possibly cost my team a victory over and over and over again. Like, it was not, I'm all for being aggressive. I'm, I, look, there's nothing that gets you more jacked up as a fan than seeing your coach go for it on fourth down. Like, in, inside, you just, you get all amped up and you're like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Well, guess what? This isn't Madden, Okay. And when you have the opportunity to just score, to just kick a field goal and take the three points and walk off the field, you need to do that in certain in certain spots. Now I know I crushed uh, Mike Vrabel a little while ago for being a pussy. There's one thing about being a pussy. There's another thing about being smart. Vrabel was being a pussy. Frank Reich was not being smart because situationally speaking, had the Colts kicked a couple field goals, they actually would have won the football game. Instead, Frank Craig cost their team, his team, 10 points, eh, seven to 10 points in that game, which obviously was the difference. So while the Bills won, Josh Allen played well, and I think the Bills are the better football team, the Colts could have walked out of Buffalo with that upset. And unfortunately, my coach got in the way. It is what it is, but, you know, I, I just, the Colts have got a lot of things to figure out, especially a quarterback. That team is too talented to be one and done in the playoffs. That's all I'll say. I'm not putting I'm not trying to put it all on my coach, but that team was extremely talented. They shouldn't have been one and done this year. Unfortunately, they did have to go against the Bills. All the credit in the world to Josh Allen and Sean McDermott. They they did a hell of a job this this week. And um, you know, they're my favorite moving forward. <laughs> All right, so your boy was 3-3 three and three last week with his wild card weekend picks. I was 3-0 and oh on Saturday, though. I was feeling pretty good. Actually, I was feeling really good. A little cocky, being like, hey, man, look at me. I'm going to go 6-0. and oh. It's going to be awesome. I did not. I went 0-3 oh on Sunday. So all as great as I felt about my predictions off of Saturday, I then completely just fell apart on Sunday. So here's hoping that uh, we, can, we can get above 500 uh, moving forward. So Saturday, we've got Rams at Packers and Ravens at Bills. I'm taking the Packers. I think most smart people are going to take the Green Bay Packers. I think the Packers are going to make the Super Bowl. I don't know if I've said that before on this podcast. I did just say it on the Drinks with Dan podcast, which you can check out on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and review to that. Uh, Dan and I spent some time. We talked a little politics, a little bit of sports, but mostly politics. So be sure to listen to that. Anyway, I'm taking the Packers. Uh, Like I said, I think the Packers are making the Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers is playing the greatest quarterback I mean, he, the way that he's playing quarterback right now is the best, not only that I've seen him play, but maybe the best we've ever seen. You know, you can argue that if you'd like, but that's my opinion. Uh, yeah, so taking the Packers, no question. Ravens at Bills, I think this is the game of the weekend. I'm taking the Bills. I, I just finished up this last segment saying that the Bills are my favorite moving forward. I think the Bills are making the Super Bowl. I think the Bills are the best team in the AFC. Now, did they struggle a little bit against the Colts? Yeah, they did, but I also think that there were some calls by the refs that made that game a lot closer than there should have been. Also, there was they, they had some questionable stuff that they did on offense, which I think they'll be able to fix. The Ravens, I think the reason why the Ravens fo- fo- won that football game on Saturday, 
excuse me, on Sunday wasn't just because of Lamar Jackson. I also think it was the fact that the Tennessee Titans defense has been awful all season and they continue to be awful in that in that football game. The Bills defense is a lot better than the Titans. I think when it's all said and done, the Bills are the overall better football team. And I think Josh Allen is playing better at quarterback than Lamar Jackson is playing at quarterback. And therefore, I'm going to take the Bills. So I got Packers and then Bills and then Sunday. Browns at the Chiefs and then Bucks at the Saints. Browns at the Chiefs. I desperately, 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 desperately want to take the Cleveland Browns. Part of being part of me being really bummed out was with the Ravens Titans game was because I wanted the Titans to win because that was who the Chiefs were going to have to play. That didn't happen, obviously, uh, mainly because I believed that if the Titans won, and then the the Steelers beat the Browns, the Titans were going to end up playing the Kansas City Chiefs, which is what I wanted because I believed the Titans could beat the Chiefs. I don't think the Browns can beat the Chiefs. I just I don't I don't see it. I want to so desperately to see that upset. I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't. I don't trust the Browns in late game situations as well as Baker Mayfield played. I still don't think the Browns have enough, not just playoff experience, but just it, they just don't have enough experience with coming back from behind in, in big games. And Pat Mahomes does. He's done it. He did it all last postseason. Again, I mean, the, the guy, the guy destroyed a 24, nothing deficit and turned it into a massive victory against the Houston Texans last year. So, I mean, he is. He's the comeback. He's the comeback king right now. I mean, he did it in the Super Bowl. He was down ten points in the Super Bowl in the fourth quarter. Turned around and went 14, 14 unanswered, in a flash. So I just, I, I think it's you know, Browns are a feel good story, but I'm just going to take the Chiefs. Bucks at Saints. This game is tough. I, I want to take the Buccaneers, mainly because everybody's taking the Saints, and I really do. I really want to take Tom Brady in this football game. The Saints, the Saints have beaten the Bucs twice this season, uh, and they've beaten them pretty damn soundly in both games. It's really tough in the NFL to win three games in a row. If you're looking at talent, if you're looking at the roster, the Saints have the better football team overall. And I think that you know when it comes to trying to evaluate which team's going to you know which team's going to win, you usually are going to sit there and go, okay, well this roster is better than this roster. Coaching leans towards the Saints. Quarterback, quarterback leans towards the Bucks. I think Tom Brady is playing better at quarterback than Drew Brees. You know what? Screw it. I'm gonna take the Bucks. I have Saints written down, but I'm gonna take the Bucks just because I know everybody's taking the Saints and everybody hates Tom Brady and doesn't want to see Tom Brady win. So just to be and mainly, let's be real here. If we can get Bucks Packers in the NFC Championship game. Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. Who doesn't want to watch that? So that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for Bucks, Packers, NFC Championship game. So I'm going to root with my heart, not with my head on this one. And I'm going to take the Bucks. So to recap real quick, I got the Packers over the Rams, the Bills over the Ravens, the Chiefs over the Browns, and the Bucks over the Saints. So the Lamar Jackson narrative thing, that's something I want to touch on here in this Everything is Stupid segment. So Lamar won his first playoff game on Sunday. And as soon as that happened, Twitter exploded with, well, there goes the narrative that Lamar can't win in a playoff game. 
Now, A, that's not, that's not even close to being accurate. It was not a narrative to question Lamar Jackson's ability to win a playoff game. That wasn't a narrative. Those were based off of facts. And I think that that's a really important distinction that needs to be made and why I am so just aggravated and done with journalists, period, whether it's sports, political, whatever it may be, opinion journalists even, because they're, they're trying to erase history for those that they, that they like. And they don't have a problem dredging up somebody else's history of failure in the playoffs on players that they don't like. With Lamar Jackson, he is a media darling. Everyone loves him. Which, look, don't get me wrong. I like Lamar Jackson, too. I think Lamar's awesome. I love his press conferences. I love the way that he, the, the way that he acts in those press conferences. The fact that he is straight up, he's honest, he's blunt. He answers questions like a freaking defensive back. He doesn't answer them like a quarterback. And I think that's tremendous. I'm so tired of, of the political bullshit that you get from Tom Brady or Russell Wilson. I want some real talk. And Lamar Jackson gives you that. So as a person, I love Lamar Jackson. As a quarterback, not so much. And I've been consistent about this. I've, I've said before, I think Lamar Jackson is the best running back in football. I don't think he's a great quarterback. He's just not good when it comes to throwing the football. That, and again, that's not a narrative. I base that opinion off of his statistics. That's all I base it off of. Anyway, the fact that you have so many people in the journalism, in journalism industry, especially sports, the sports pundits, guys like Adam Schefter and others who have a responsibility to be honest are not being honest. They're being disingenuous at best. When they tweet out something like the narrative of Lamar Jackson being able to win in the playoffs, is it, uh, clearly that's over. Well, it was never a narrative to begin with. It was a fact. Lamar Jackson coming into this playoffs was 0-2 in the postseason. That was a fact. Lamar Jackson had played poorly in both of those playoff games. He had five turnovers in total between those two playoff games against the Los Angeles Chargers and against the Tennessee Titans last season. That was a fact. Lamar Jackson leading up to playing the Cleveland Browns on Monday Night Football this season was 0-4 against playoff teams, twice against the Steelers, once against the, the Titans, and once against the Kansas City Chiefs. That was a fact. That was not a narrative. Those were based off of facts, based off of his statistics and the way that he had performed in those games. He could not win. He could not win against winning teams, against playoff winning teams. Those were facts. Those were not narratives. Again, if you want to, if you want to celebrate the fact that Lamar won his first playoff game, go right ahead and do it. There, it's clear that people in the media were rooting for Lamar Jackson. And that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But don't try and erase history in the process. Don't, don't try to create your own narrative to ignore the facts of the matter. The facts of the matter was this. Once again, 0-2 in the playoffs, five turnovers in those playoff games in totality. His team was too good to have played as poorly as they did. That's a fact. That, that wasn't a narrative. Those were two games, those two playoff games, Lamar should have won those games. The Baltimore Ravens should have won those football games. They were favored in both. Those were facts. And Lamar came up small in those games. Those were facts. That's not a narrative. So y'all can believe what you want, but at the end of the day, there are too many people out there who are trying to change what has actually happened in football games. You cannot, 
You cannot erase history just because you feel like it, just because you want to root for a particular player. Again, I'm not hating on Lamar Jackson. He played well. He won his first playoff game. That is great. Celebrate that fact. Say, look, Lamar finally got the monkey off his back. He finally won his first playoff game. Let's see how far he can go. That should have been the tweet. It should not have been, well, there goes the narrative that he can't win in playoff games. The narrative didn't go anywhere because the narrative was never created. Nobody created that story. Those headlines were, were, were made because of Lamar Jackson's performance in his previous two playoff games. End of story. That's the end. No one made it up. Nobody was doing it to be mean to Lamar. The facts of the matter were up until this weekend, Lamar had not played well. He has now played well in a playoff game. He has now won a playoff game. He has gotten the playoff demons off his back. Now let's see how successful he can be moving forward. All right, so for the last word segment this week, I just briefly want to touch on the new documentary released by HBO Max about Tiger Woods. The first part was just released this past week. I checked it out. It's about an hour and a half. It's tremendous. I can't wait for the second part. I'm I hope it comes out next week. I, I believe it does. It's so good. It's so good. And uh, look, growing up, I loved Tiger Woods. Um, and then I, a lot of people kind of dubbed me a Tiger Woods hater because I just didn't believe that he would ever win another major. It wasn't me hating. It was just me being realistic. I, I didn't believe that Tiger would win another major. Um, but it, it, I never lost the respect or the admiration that I had for the guy for how tremendous of an athlete of a prodigy that that he was and he still is and so this this first part of the documentary really does a deep dive into his early years uh his first relationship that he ever that he ever had and the relationship between he and his parents and how that relationship has helped to turn him into the the man that he is now or, or the man that he was at, you know, at, at certain aspects of his life. And, uh, it's just, it's so interesting. And it also really got me thinking about, you know, we see as sports fans, we kind of, we see the finished product, right? Like when you watch football or you watch the NFL, or you watch the NBA or major league baseball or even golf, and you're watching these tournaments, we're seeing the finished product of these athletes. And, and we don't really, think about the necessarily think about all the struggles and the sacrifices that they make in order to be the very best of what they do. And this kind of showed how isolating Tiger's life was growing up. Like his best friend was his father. He had no other friends. And a lot of that was by design that was created that that environment was created for him by his parents. And you know, it, it kind of, you start, as, as the documentary progresses, you kind of start seeing, obviously we all know where this goes. We know what happens to Tiger in the mid-2000s with the whole incident with his wife. But you start to see why it happened and why somebody who was so isolated for so long and then all of a sudden his, he as a person just exploded across the scene, across the world. He became a global athlete a global icon overnight. And you can see how that could affect somebody. Um, so it's just, it's such a good documentary. I highly recommend it if you have the opportunity to check it out. Uh, hopefully, 
you know, after a while it'll, it'll get released on like Amazon or something so you can rent it or, or pay for it that way to see it. I, I can't recommend this documentary enough. It, it's so good. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to the second part. Hopefully it gets released next week. And if not, I will be patiently awaiting uh, for it to get released. And uh, yeah, by all means, check it out. I think, I really do think it's worth your time. And uh, once the second part is released, I will definitely come back on here and uh, talk about it some more. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the LaValle Sports Talk Podcast brought to you by the Soundline Network. As always, thank you so much for tuning and listening. I greatly appreciate it. Please be sure to check me out on iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review. And while you're there, you can check out all the other great podcasts we have for you from the network, including Drinks with Dan, Spaceball, Richo's Rant, and, of course, Richo and Lala. That's it. That's all I have for you this week. Enjoy NFL Divisional Round of the Playoffs. It should be tremendous. And uh, as always, be well, stay safe, and I'll talk to you all again soon. <laughs>